find me Don't be scared of yourself Don't be scared of me Don't be scared of yourself Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where a couple of friends sit around and discuss healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm really good this week. It's been a great week. What's been going on this week? Anything notable you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think what my week looked like, you know, what's been going on. Um... Well, yeah. So actually there is the situation at work that I, I think it would be great to kind of just work through out loud and see what comes of it. Okay, let's do it. So there are, and I'll just go ahead and kind of real quick kind of tell the story of who we're dealing with here. Um, There's my boss, and then there's a boss of another department, and the two of them, I believe, are engaging in extramarital affair with each other um, based off the flirtation and the things that they've said and the changes in behavior. Now, the boss of the other department, her and I were kind of friends, more co-worker, associate. Um, anyways, it's gotten to a level where it's just, it's uncomfortable. There's sexual tension, there's favoritism, there's flirting, there's... So then today, there was this other manager of the other department was a part of a group text with myself and two other girls who are not beneath her, not her boss, um... And the four of us did like a Friendsgiving together. We've gone shopping together. We had like a a art wine drinking thing together. Um, So we were kind of trying to be friends. I wouldn't go so far as to say we were real close or anything. Anyways, today there was a situation where she, I guess, allowed my boss and the other two girls' boss to read through our group message between the four of us. Um, And then, I'm not quite sure how it came up, but he sent me a message directly, private text message from his cell phone to mine. Uh, And it made absolutely no sense. It said something about coaches being coochie cream. And when we say coaches, the search pulls up coochie creams. It made absolutely zero sense. Um, And I responded with what? And several question marks. And he responded with, the other manager was talking about vaginas, so I left the room. I didn't respond after that. A couple of things have happened. Um, One, I have deleted the group message between the four of us. I have removed myself from it completely. Mm -hmm. Um, I will no longer be friendly communicating with her anymore. Um, Now, other things have happened with this woman also. She is Destiny's new boss, my daughter's new boss. Um, And today my daughter called me in tears because she sent a dog home wet from a bath. She's a groomer. um, And had to scrub the kitchen floor or the break room floor with a razor because the boss was mad at her and it needed clean. Um, now, right, I don't know how accurate that is, right? It's emotional. It's a teenager. It's, there's plenty to it. At the same time, this is several levels of unacceptable 
acceptable, in my opinion. And I'm just not sure where to go next with it. That's a lot. It is. Going on. It definitely is. Do you feel that the, I guess I'm going to start here because it would be the piece we can eliminate from the discussion, but do you feel it's reta- with your daughter, It's is it retaliation or? So at first I didn't think it was. And then one of the other girls from the group four group said that the other person told her it was. Okay. Okay. So then, I mean, I write that as a story and. You know, we have to base it, like, we have to base it on facts. So, so wait, what do you mean that's a story? What we do a lot of times is when we're telling, when we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to someone else, we're not basing the information on the facts. So, for example, what we're talking about here is the situation with your daughter calling you and crying, saying I had to clean the floor with a razor blade because I sent a dog home wet. What are the facts in that situation? Like, what is something that you you could, is tangible, you can prove, there's no question about? That she has to clean the floor, that she sent a dog home wet, and that she's upset. And she called you. Right. right? And she called me. She called you. She, right. She, the, she sent a dog home wet. Um, she was told to clean the floor. So those are the facts. Anything outside of those is really, is not the truth. It's not a factual thing. It's somebody else's opinion it's someone else's um thoughts it's someone else's story to use that word again um and so when we look at the story when we don't you know look at what are the factual things going on we start telling building this story and telling ourselves a story that makes things so much worse and if we sit in the facts of it then it becomes a little bit less powerful well, actually it can become a lot less powerful um, so I think let's use, let's do that, um, process with this situation, um, the whole situation. So in the situation of the, the story with the friend, the work, the coworkers, what are the facts? Oh, uh, the facts are her behavior has changed okay. and I don't feel comfortable around her. So what would you tell someone to do if they didn't feel comfortable around someone to not be around them now unfortunately I have to go to work every day right but you still can exercise healthy behavior in being around her you right you do have to work with this person that is a fact I mean I don't think you're at a point of just quitting your job no. so you have to work with this person but that doesn't mean you have to just talk to this person or be around this person for anything other than interacting for work. And is she an, is she a groomer or excuse me, a trainer or is she just a, an no. associate? No, she's yeah, she's a groomer. She's not a trainer. Okay, so what I know about where you work is the groomers are in a little area, associates are on the floor, and you kind of as a trainer are in your own little area. Correct? Correct. So yes. What level of interaction would you have to have with a groomer who is in behind this in this little area behind this wall? Minimal and none without customer involvement. So I think there's your your line you have to kind of draw is I will interact with her when I'm required to because there's a customer involved. Other than that, I don't have to entertain her. 
Okay. Well, so what should I do then when my mind goes into the, well, the what ifs? What if I go into work tomorrow and they're so flirty and I'm uncomfortable and I shouldn't have to work in that environment? I mean, maybe I should go to HR. Maybe. Well, I maybe think, I should. And you're talking about the future. The future is a story. You don't know what's going to happen, right? We're sitting here talking. We don't know what we're going to talk about in five minutes. We know what we're Very talking true. about, right? What we're talking, we know what we're talking about right this moment. And anytime we look at the future, we're telling a story because we don't know the facts of the future. And when you stop looking, stop looking at the future, and you stop telling yourself that story, then it's like, oh well, whatever happens tomorrow just happens tomorrow. Whatever, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Very true. So. What's the best way, I guess, so right, so when I get into the spiral of my codependency where I'm sitting here thinking about going to work and interacting and this awkwardness, right, so there's always been this line between my boss and I. There has always been this, we don't even joke with each other. He is my age, he's married, he's the only man that he will work with, right? So I have always maintained this very, very professional boundary right. with him. Um, and I feel like that boundary has been crossed with the message. And I'm not even sure that it was, like, like I'm so shocked by it that I almost feel like maybe she took his phone and she sent it, but that's total assumption, right? Right, So right. then I start thinking that, and th so when I start thinking that, I, I just... I try to pull myself back down. Like, I don't, I don't know whether she sent it or he sent it. It doesn't matter. What I know is I received it on my phone from his phone. Okay. That is, that is, isn't that a fact? Yes. Right. Who sent it doesn't matter because if you, you make the choice to go to HR and say, this is what I received on my phone. It doesn't matter who sent it on there on his, on his end or on the end, other end of that phone. It's his phone. It came from him. It's going to be him that gets in trouble. And I think you have to decide, is this a boundary for you that qualifies going to HR? Um, clearly, this was inappropriate. Clear. I mean, right, this was totally inappropriate. Um, so do you find that you want to go to HR with this where this is something that it has become a workplace that is not safe? Because to me, it sounds like what you said, there's some sexual tension, obviously some um, inappropriateness with other people uh -huh. as well. Um, Major this, favoritism, yeah. Yeah, if this is not a safe environment for you, then you, like, I think you're compelled to, you're going to have to go to HR. Or, right, so, or so approach what? him directly and say, you know, I'm finding this very uncomfortable. You know, you crossed a line. And if this continues, I will have no choice but to go to HR. Keep it, document it, right? Do what you have to do. And I interrupted you, and I'm sorry. So go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I, so when I think about going to HR with it, I begin, and here I'm going to catch myself, right? And this is why I was wanting to do this tonight with you is because that's talking out loud like this with someone in recovery is what allows me and helps me maintain my sobriety from other people's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Right. Um, I, I, so when I think about going to HR with this, I think about um, what happens 
when I get a new a new boss, and that boss is worse than this one. That boss is right like the old one, where maybe there's no favoritism, but there's absolutely zero discipline, and everybody does whatever they want, and nothing ever gets done. Which, believe it or not, is even worse than a boss, at least for me, that shows favoritism to some, but makes everyone work. I just want to go in and put my head down and do my job and leave. And if I were to go to HR, one, I fear retaliation. Two, I fear a new boss, him being fired and somebody else being brought in that's worse than him. Um, And I hear myself saying this, and I think I'm using these words intentionally because I want to catch myself, right? I fear what may happen. Right. Um, and what is that, that codependency you, at its core, right? Right. You're telling yourself a story because what happens if your next boss is a team player, is so respectful and so fair and works just as hard as everybody else and it becomes this joyous place to work? Because if you're talking, I mean, right, if you're going to go negative, you got to go the other direction, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, so what I'm hearing and what I'm thinking at this point is there's nothing I can do to stop any of them from doing either of them, any of the people from doing what they are doing. That is totally out of my control. Um, What they are doing is creating unmanageability for me, though, because the situation where two years ago this would have been no big deal I've learned how to have peace within myself, and this situation is disturbing my peace throughout eight to ten hours of my day, every day. Right. And it's not that I'm holding on to it. It's that every time I turn around, it's in my face, right? Something's being said. Someone's doing something. Something's happening. So it's the situation is disturbing my peace. Um, Therefore, that tells me, I need to take action to maintain my peace. So what does now, that action, what could that action look like? Right, that's where I was going. Now, what that action looks like, I'm not exactly sure yet, what? right? It, it could it could look like several things. Like you mentioned, it could look like speaking directly to my supervisor, my boss, and saying, hey, listen, right? And let me be honest, he would give me that respect. He has given me that respect in the past. He has come to me and said, hey, I don't appreciate this, and I need you to not do that. And I kind of feel like he deserves the same respect. I don't feel like I owe it to him. I don't feel like I need to give it. I just kind of, I just feel like, I feel like he deserves that same respect. Even though the idea of confrontation with my direct boss is absolutely terrifying to me. Um, at the same time, I could also go to HR. I, I have a good relationship with my boss's boss. Um, and I could speak directly to that person. There's one thing I have not heard you say yet. What's that? Why are you trying to solve it by yourself? Well, I'm on the phone with you. Right. I, and I get it. I get that. But at the end of the day, isn't your higher power the per, like turn it over, hand it over. Ooh, that's the one thing I haven't done with the situation yet. Right. And it came up today. So not too far behind there. Um, but you're right that you're absolutely right. That is one thing I have yet to do is meditate, talk to my higher power, pray. I don't care what you call it, but communicate with my higher being on what's right for me to do next. I will will be doing that tonight. 
So what does that look like for you? What is, I mean, and I know we're going to at some point talk about higher power, but right now, what does communicating with your higher power look like for you? Oh, isn't that just the perfect leeway into that? I know, right? That was awesome. (laughs) Communicating with my higher power at this point in time. So it has evolved over the course of the last, I am 39 years old. Communicating with my higher power has evolved over the course of 39 years. The very first memory I had of how to communicate with my higher power was given to me from my Catholic school, and it was on your knees, hands in front, head down, eyes closed, dear Heavenly Father, Um, and it always ended with amen, right? And the the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, right? The the cross on your head and everything. very quickly from that, then it turned into on my knees at my bed. Um, I don't remember. I think it was a seventh day Adventist church that I went to halfway through. Um, and then somewhere shortly thereafter, I stopped communicating with my higher power. Uh, my higher power was this awful thing at that point. Um, judging, demanding, terrifying thing so I completely shut it out I stopped communicating with it altogether and Uh, and then let me ask you a question at that point in your life what did what did your higher power look like for you Catholic God okay just I just was curious for my own yes yes at that very moment when I stopped communicating I lost faith I lost trust I lost it all with him it was a Catholic God um very much so so then I hit my rock bottom. The situation just, actually, I didn't hit rock bottom yet. My bottom fell out. I thought I was at rock bottom, but I didn't actually know I wasn't at rock bottom. The bottom fell out. And I found myself sprawled on my bathroom floor screaming at myself. And my higher power in that moment became that little tiny voice. God, it was so small. Oh, that little tiny voice inside of me that said, don't give up yet. Please just keep going. I'm not ready to give up. And for about a year, I searched. I looked into Catholic, Christian, Buddhism, Judaism, um, witchcraft, Reiki. I searched high and low for my higher power. And at some point, I just decided it was the universe. Then I found CODA. When I found Codependence Anonymous, I decided it didn't matter who my higher power was or what my higher power was. And then at that point, it just became this energy. The long answer to your very short question (laughs) was now I communicate with my higher power by talking out loud in my car to the energy that surrounds me to the air to the skies to the stars to the trees to the birds to sometimes it's not in my car sometimes I'm walking a dog and I'll just look up at the sky and start talking sometimes I'm so angry that I'll go out back and I'll just start screaming cursing yelling and just let it out um and that's me communicating with my higher power sometimes I turn a meditation on and I sit real quiet and I just get in touch with them and just listen. Um, that's pretty much, those are the ways I communicate these days. Those are the things you need to connect with in, with this, right? Is ask for what you're, what you need, what you, you know, 
what you did for you know just now with us do that with your higher power and then just sit and listen right or and go to work tomorrow and listen right because the answer might not come when right after he answers but it could come tomorrow when you're in the situation again absolutely yes without a doubt well and what if those things don't work how do you how do you communicate with your higher power so i with my so i'm going to do the long story short as well oh, i'm just going to do a long story so <laughs> starting growing up my grandparents were every sunday they did not miss church if one was sick the other went to church they just did not miss church and so i spent a lot of times with my grandparents growing up so i went to church every sunday and i loved going to church with them um because it was fun they grew up in the church themselves so it was like my own playhouse because everybody knew them and everybody knew who i was um so i could run and go and do wherever i wanted and it was one of the old castly looking churches and so i loved going because everybody knew me and i was getting attention that i didn't get normally at home i didn't have an understanding of what god was at all you know i went to church because it was fun there was no sit down, explain it. Um, and my grandparents were Baptist. And then my dad kind of rebelled from church. My mom also was raised in the church. And it was funny because I never went to church growing up other than with my grandparents. That's home, interesting. Interesting to, I, I wonder what the statistics are on that. We'll have to look that up sometime. It's interesting to hear the number of people that I speak to quite regularly who grew up in the church and then got to a certain age. And it's not just the Catholic church. I think it's 90% all most religions, most organized yeah. religions, right? You get to a certain age where you're like, nah, wait a minute. I don't necessarily believe that. So by the time I was five, because that's when we moved from where I was, and we moved 45, 50 minutes from my grandparents. You know, back then, early, you know, mid-70s, 50 minutes somewhere was a long way. So we quit going. And then it became, say your prayers before you eat. And I can still remember them. Say your prayers before you go to bed. But that was it. There was never, I was never taught that there is something bigger than you that you can talk to any time of the day and he'll listen he'll be there they'll be there for you and i now do not like to pray before meals or before i go to bed because it's has such this stigma for me of this forced it's a rule you have to pray before before you eat and before you go to bed that makes no sense to me. Why can't I pray in the shower? Why can't I pray when I'm driving in my car to, or have a conversation when I'm doing other things? And so for me, that kind of like, it was like, I don't want to do that. And so I, like you, just all of a sudden no longer had a relate. I no longer had any sort of relationship with God because for me, God was a judgmental I, and I'll just say that God was a judgmental God. And to, here's this supposed to be this loving, wonderful being and thing 
that is, you do this, you go to hell. You do this, you go to heaven. Well, but then you, you have someone that completely completes on death row, completes all these crimes and on their deathbed can say, please forgive me of my sins. And all of a sudden everything's forgiven. So it, it's, there's so much ambiguity, am, yeah, ambiguity, you know what I'm trying to say. Ambiguity. Thank you with it that I just couldn't, as a teenager, when we start making things, everything so, trying to make everything so logical, it wasn't a logical thing for me. Um, so I'm like, well, it's not logical. And then I got, you know, as I got older and I, in my second marriage, he was also was, um, he was raised in the church and he always was, he was this, um, let's go to church and then we're going to look, play this part. And then we're not going to go to church for the longest time because I, you know, we get tired of playing the part and that I, like you tried all the denominations. I mean, I've even, I went, you know, I tried Jehovah's witness. I was raised Baptist and Lutheran. I've tried Catholic, uh, Methodist, and then I came across like non-denominational, non-denominational, and that probably fit me the most, but it, it wasn't, it still wasn't the fit because it was this, I'm a man and I'm human and I'm going to tell you not to do this and not to do that and not to do this because if you do, you're going to hell and, and God's not going to love you. And I, I still, I still struggled with that. And so when I hit my rock bottom and I went, my therapist asked me, she's like, where can you go that you can just go and like be okay and be find that and it just, the weight comes off. And for me, it started out as the beach. Um, that's that became my higher power because it was something that I could think about and turn my shit over to. I could just give it give it away for a minute. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And I can't tell you what my higher power looks like. I just know like you, it's this energy that I know is there. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't need a face. My higher power can talk like a trucker. And he'll listen to me that way because that's the way I communicate with my higher power. I'm not judged. He's right. My higher power is loving and supportive and is there for me in everything I need. My higher power has a no matter what, no matter what my higher power has a horrible, horrible uh, sense of humor. He is sarcastic and he's like, ha ha, I told you, you said you wanted, well, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. And so many times I'll be on conversations and I've had been, you know, I've been, I've talked with you and like something will be said or I'll, we'll be in a meeting and something will be said and I'll be like, I'll look up and I'll be like, okay, gotcha. I gotcha. I hear you. All right. It's good. So that for me, again, long way to get there, but that is how I communicate with my higher power. I don't think there is a right or wrong way to do it. I think it's a very personal relationship and that's what for me religion is um one of the things i when i was doing some by you know my own research and my own thoughts on this something came to me and it's basically church religion and and god and church is 
the business, right? Because it's gotta, you gotta get, they gotta have money to come in because they gotta pay the bills, they gotta pay the electricity. It's the business side of it. Religion is the rules. And God is not any of those things. He's just God. He's the feeling. He's the, and so many relate, or so many people link all three. And they're very separate, very separate things. I agree with that. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that that way. And that's really interesting to me. To say that the church, God, and the religion are separate. The church is the business aspect, right? Which I agree. They got it. They bring people in. They collect the, the tray. I don't remember what it's tithing or whatever it's called now. They've got to pay the bills. They've got to keep the lights on. Sometimes they'll broadcast and try to get on TV. And the bigger the church, the nicer, right? Go big and make it extra special if you're a really big religion. Um, and then right to the religion is the rules, right? So if you're Catholic, there's a certain set of rules. If you're Christian, if you're Lutheran, if you're Jewish, if you're the, everybody has their own set of rules and each of those rules are different for each religion. A lot of them are similar, but each of them are different for each religion. And then there's God. Well, in right Catholics call it God, but there's others call it Buddha or I don't know, whatever else is he's called, right? There's many names. Right, Jehovah. For, right, the yes. ultimate higher power is what I call him, right? That's that's God, that's Jehovah, that's Buddha. That is the ultimate higher power. There is no power higher than that higher power. And that higher power is the same. I've always thought that, right? The ultimate God that's the same person across the board between all of these religions, between all of these beings, between every single person on earth. We all have our higher power, and it may not be the same version, right? Some people may believe in God. Some people may believe in the ocean. Some people may believe in themselves. I've heard people say, right, inside my heart is my higher power. But in the end, that ultimate higher power it's the same across the board for me, in my opinion, right? They, they, my higher power is a loving, saving, um, teaching, guiding being. And if I believe that for my higher power and I have to trust my higher power to be able to be that for everyone else too. So I, I have to believe that it's the same across the board because if my higher power is so good to me, then your higher power is going to be good to you. And my daughter's higher power is going to be good to her. Right. You know, one of the things for me I've always struggled with was heaven and hell. Here is this being, this higher power that is loving. And I can't imagine this loving, caring being damning people to a place of, of, of unknown and horrible Right. I feel like, and I don't know what I write. I, there's just my own personal thoughts. And well, I have a twist on hell. So there's pretty much a heaven and hell in just about every religion, not necessarily called heaven and hell, but you have the fires, the burning, the evil place. And then there's the, this amazing, calm, great place, right? right? In certain religions, hell is earth and reincarnation. And once you finally reach this great big level, you no longer have to come to earth again. You right. get to remain 
out there, right? So that's their version of heaven. And each religion, at least in my experience, seems to have their own version of it. I believe that hell is not my higher power or your higher power condemning anyone for bad behavior or condemning. I My personal belief is that it's if I choose not to walk the higher power's path, then he has to detach. Yes. He, he can't force me to walk his path. So if I choose not to walk his path, there is this other option. And it's there. And, and I don't necessarily believe that it's like the fiery burning pits of hell either, right? Right. But we have certain lessons that we have learned in order for our souls to do what they need to do. I agree with that. I love that. It's just like any relationship. My higher power, I have a relationship with my higher power. If I am not investing my time and energy into this relationship, this relationship is not going to flourish. Whether it's, and that goes with romantic children, parents, friends. I have to put the energy and time into keeping that relationship alive. So I have to put energy and work into that relationship, as I said, just like I would with any other relationship. And so many times I think we we forget, and that is, I think, what I wasn't taught growing up. So, yeah, I mean, that I wasn't taught that either. I wasn't ever taught to communicate with my higher power on a regular basis heck for that matter i wasn't taught to communicate with anyone on a regular basis we didn't do check-ins hey i just wanted to tell you that i appreciate everything in your life and i love you and i thank you for being in my life right we didn't we didn't do anything like that as kids our parents never did that nobody appreciated anybody when we were kids So, so to put in work and thank my higher power, to communicate with my higher power, to tell him what I think I need, tell it what I think I need. Um, It's a whole new aspect. And to tell anybody what I need, to ask for what I need, to communicate authentically. So I'm, I mean, I've been working on this for some time now, and I'm still learning how to use that tool, communication, every single day. I'm, I'm still learning how to work on work on my relationships without giving all of myself. How do you not give all of yourself in, in your relationships? Right? I'm, we, don't, we were just talking higher power. Um, that's a little different, giving all into that relationship. But in your other relationships... That's a really good question. Um, So it brings up two things. One is I I, I saw this diagram today and it had two circles and then it had a, a, in one circle it said theirs, in the other circle it said mine. And each circle had three squares inside of it. And the one circle that said theirs, they put two of the squares outside of the circle. And as they were explaining codependency, um, they picked up the two squares from their circle, outside of their circle, right? Because they're not picking up their own squares. So I'm going to pick up their squares and I'm going to put them in my circle. 
The problem is my circle only has enough room for three squares. So in putting their squares in my circle, my three squares get pushed outside. Mm. So in picking up somebody else's responsibilities, somebody else's side of the street, somebody else's slack, I am then putting my own things aside for them. Well, so that leads into, well, how do I not do that? Well, it's much easier said than it is done. Uh, If I try to hand you a snotty tissue, are you going to take it from me? No. So if I try to hand you my dirty laundry, are you going to take it from me? No. So if I try to give you my opinion, my feelings, my anger, my drama, are you going to take that from me? So sometimes yes, right? I think that's just being honest. I can I could quickly say no, but there are times that I might. Well, so when you realize that you're holding somebody else's snotty tissue, what do you do with it? Uh, drop it. Oh. Oh. So when I realize that I'm holding somebody else's crap, somebody else's side of the street, somebody else's drama, somebody else's feelings, all I got to do is drop it. Just let it go. Just give it back to them. Give it back to my higher power. Accept that it, it is not mine and put it down. And if I magically end up with it in my hand again, because somehow I picked that snotty tissue up without realizing it, the second I realize I'm holding it, I just got to put it back down. I just got to drop it again. Every single time I realize I'm holding that snotty tissue, I just need to drop it again. Eventually, I won't pick it up as often. Exactly. And I and I want one of, you know, we're getting close to wrapping up, you know, needing to wrap up here. But I think one of the things that we need, you know, I want everyone to understand is, and you just said it, right? I'm still going to pick up that tissue. I'm still going to have that tissue in my hand. The whole point is I don't do it as often. I don't hang on to it as as long, right? I we're, this whole this whole process is about progress, not perfection. I'm literally. Oh wait, I have this. I have this Kleenex. Oh, I gotta drop it. And then next- right, like it's there before I even realize it most of the time. Right, but and. Go ahead. I was talking to my 11-year-old in the car the other day, and she was talking about biting her nails. And she said, Mom, by the time I realize I'm doing it, I've done ripped half my nail off. (laughs) And I said, baby, that's the perfect time to stop. You couldn't have stopped before you knew you were doing it. That's a great answer to that. Yep. Because that's what it's about. It's it's not, don't, right? It's a, it goes along with not beating ourselves up for our past because we didn't know any better, right? Now that we know is now is the time we can change it. But to, 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 to have shame and, have, and carry that guilt and all of the, that stuff with what I didn't know prior to today, it, it's just not worth it because I can't change it. I can't. It doesn't define who I am. What will define who I am is what I'm going to do differently going forward. That's it. That's it right there. 
And all I can do is notice it as soon as I can notice it and stop myself as soon as I can and be proud of myself for stopping myself when I did. It doesn't matter if it took me an hour of biting my nails. The second I realize I'm biting my nails, I got to stop doing it because that's that's all this thing that we keep talking about is codependency, um, non-healthy relationships, being stagnant and not growing. It's all just a habit. It's an old habit that we are trying to replace with a new way of living. You know, it's funny. The nail biting thing is, is really interesting because um, I'm a nail biter. I've always been a nail biter, but I go through these waves and and I think that kind of goes into, you know, like leads in, is a good example and kind of an analogy for ha- trying to have healthier relationships, right? It's, yes, I sometimes am a nail biter, but there's times that I'm not. And it's neither one makes me bad or wrong or negative. It just is, there's just That's- something I'm going through at that moment that has me biting my nails. Right. It just is. It's just a habit that you're it's, used to doing. Yep. And when you realize you're doing it, you stop yourself from doing it. And over time, eventually, hopefully you don't do it at all. anymore. Exactly. But that might take three years. That might take five years. Heck yep. you spend how many years doing it? Maybe it's going to take many years to stop doing it, yep. but you're going to get better and better every time you catch yourself and you stop yourself. And one of the things that I've correlated to is when I am going through and I'm feeling unhealthy or I'm feeling I'm letting things spiral in my head, I pick up those old habits because they're comfortable. Absolutely. The more stressed out you get, the sooner you are to bite your nails. Yes. You pick up those old habits because they're comfortable. Don't we all, right? As soon as things start going wrong, I catch myself trying to be controlling. Yep. I catch myself trying to use my anger to manipulate someone to do what I want them to do or trying to use my intelligence and my charisma to manipulate someone to do what I want them to do. There's no difference. One's nicer, but they're both the same. Well, I think, you know, I think let's talk, you know, we, we need to wrap it up. Um, but I would love to keep this conversation going next time, especially kind of about bad habits and the things we've kind of carried with us through life and how we have come to be, to be able to work through them and what we've, what, what we've done to be able to do that. Um, and I know that's a big part of what this whole conversation is for hopefully the rest of time we keep doing this. (laughs) I would love to hear some of your bad habits and how those have changed today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to yours as well. This is going to be a fun conversation. I know. Week. Right. And I, you know, I, we're, we've, we're putting ourselves out there and I'm, you know, I, the one thing that I've realized is, you know, and we kind of we discussed this last podcast was, I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of stuff, but my dirty, dark things that I think are the worst and I'm embarrassed about and I carry with, you know, carry that shame with me are really not that bad. When you start talking and you start sharing, you're really not that unique. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
Absolutely. Well, Ashley, I en- of course I enjoyed this with you. I love doing this with you. For those, for the listeners, please submit your questions. Go to the website, the theworkityouareworthit.com website. Submit your questions, suggestions for topics. Ashley and I would love to give you what you are looking for in this. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're happy to use you as examples if you want to share details in your emails, or we're happy to use as our, ourselves as examples. Um, vulnerability is one of the things that we're looking for here. So, All right. Well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Don. Have a great week. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time. All right. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it. I will find you. You will ask, what will you do when they find me? I will find you, give the answer to your question, what will I do when I find you? I don't have to think, I don't have to prepare myself, when I find you, I don't have to think, I don't have to Don't be scared of yourself